0: Welcome to another episode of Cloud Do You Do. Today's podcast will be about cloud security uh, with me, Eric Ferenc, as your host and our guest. And I would like to welcome Marek Schottel to the Cloud Do You Do. Marek is cloud security engineer in Revolgy. He also runs his own Hacky Tech playground, uh, which uh, we highly recommend. And he's also the cloud enthusiast. So welcome, Marek.
1: Hello, Eric. I'm happy
0: to be here. I'm very glad that you accepted our invitation because the security is like a great, great team now. Uh, and also, I think you are like very interesting guy uh, <laughs> because lots of, lots of, lots of um, uh, IT people are not so open. They are, don't know how to talk, and you got your own channel and. I hope it will be very interesting podcast. So can you introduce yourself? So um, yes. can you tell us something about you, like background? So,
1: Okay, my name is Mark Shuttle. Some people know me as a Hackitect, which means mm-hmm. hands-on architect or hacking architect. I love board games, I love running. That's like my big hobbies. Today with, with Corona, it's a bit harder. And I love fantasy movies, books or, or whatever. So that, that's that's... Exactly. Me and uh, I'm in security now, like more than eight, eight to ten years. And mm-hmm. actually, I didn't study security, which is really funny. I studied uh, software engineering and computer science in so Berlin. Same as me, yeah. <laughs> and I, ne- I never known that you know that I will go to to cyber security because this was just a coincidence. Or I will say destiny, maybe because I I was not looking for the job as a cybersecurity expert or or anything like that because at that time, the market was not so big as it is today. And I was like, okay, I will look for some job after school, after university, and I get a job for automation in in one bank and they canceled the, the position. And, and basically, then they call me, you know, we, cancel the, we We fire basically the manager who hired you. But we have uh, another option for you. Uh, it's in cybersecurity, but you will need to go through the interview again. And it will be a little bit different story. So then I'll try it. Uh, my manager just gave me the chance. He gave me a shot. And then I started in cybersecurity. So it was just a coincidence that that's hey. as appear in in the cybersecurity.
0: And uh, have you got any experience with hacking or with security? Like, uh, did you ever heard about it or try to do some hacks or, or at least like ethical hacks? Now I mean, okay.
1: I, I don't know what I can say here. You know, I don't know who will listen to us, but I was not a hacker before, uh, maybe cracker, you know, because, and I know that you like games and we're talking lots of about the game initiative in cloud. So mm-hmm. I don't know anyone. Who didn't try any cracking of the games, you know? So maybe yeah, I, yeah. I cracked a few games before, you know, and all these things, but I didn't, you know, try to hack in the bank or try to breach some security countermeasures in some web. So, till that time, I was focusing mainly on architecture and software. So, that means the development. And funny stuff is that my background was in the game development. So, I was like thinking, yes, I will find a job in the game development because my main focus was on C++ and OpenGL (laughs) and what what happens, you know, I had like big eyes and I was thinking, yes, the market will be really, you know, heavy and I will do the games. But when you are in Czech Republic there, and there are not so many studios where you can go without experience, without your own games, to to be the game developer. So I tried to look for also something else and, you know, how it ended.
0: (laughs) Nice, nice. Uh, actually, that, that's nice that you got a gaming background a bit. I, I got also a gaming background, and I know also the in-game security is a big issue. So mm-hmm. I hope we will get into it in the in the next questions. But now, still back to you a bit. Like, okay, so when we now talking a bit about hacking and cracking, have you been ever hacked? Like uh, your yeah. computer? Uh...
1: <laughs> not not directly, and especially today when you are working in cybersecurity and you are exposed because I'm sadly exposed and I, it's, it's not obvious, but I'm a little, little bit introvert. But what I'm doing is to giving back to community and it, it expose you, you know, if, if people started to know you, it exposed you to public and you started to be more known, more publicly known. So then lots of people are trying to get in your web page and trying to hack you. So I know that some people are really trying to find any mistake that I will do in my like public applications and web yeah, and all yeah, of yeah. these things. I understand. But I understand. when I when I was 14, I will not say that it was hacked, but I get malware on my PC. You know, so I don't know. There are lots of people who get malware on their PC, and I think that almost everyone encountered that at least once per day lives. So I was not directly hacked by some hacker or something like that, but I downloaded malware when I was 14. Then, and then it's says I need to re- reinstall my my PC, so just wipe it out and and do and basically reinstall all the system.
0: And as uh, you were saying uh, that you like sci-fi and boarding, board games and uh, running, so for example, when we're talking about sci-fi, you prefer books or or more movies?
1: A little bit of both. I also read uh, some prerequisite for Star Wars or some Star Wars book, and it was better than the movie. You know, it, it was really funny, because the movies are sometimes really good, the old ones, they are really good, but... Uh, when you read the book, it's it's absolutely different story, because you can put there your imagination, so you are not, you know, restricted by something that someone else created for you, and you can. And the same is with the security, you know. Security is about way how you think and approach it on that. So I like I like both, but today you know <laughs> with Corona and all of these things, and I, when I have really tired eyes, I like to more listen or watch. Yeah.
0: The- same about me i would say now back to the security a bit and also to, to the running uh like i don't know if you if you know uh, i'm a bit like uh, this smartwatch and fitness uh, stuff enthusiast and uh, like <laughs> last summer the garmin got hacked for three days they were not not able to to process any data uh, it wasn't uh, like uh, normally it's not, not a like, big issue, but once you run and, and do this stuff, like checking others how they train, you got like offline for three days. And the main, main, main issue there was like Garmin got its own pain uh, stuff, uh, like um, Google Pay. There is a Garmin Pay, mm-hmm. so they were trying to steal as much ident- identities as possible to, to get into these payments. So that was a uh, big, big stuff. So, so it's it's also related like 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 running and, and also this cloud stuff. That's,
1: that's, that's I think that is that's that's the like minor thing that can happen to you. Because you know oh. you can you can run without the with the smartwatch. This is okay. But there are also like worse cases or like more dangerous cases of hacking where it is not only about your identity because yes they can still they can steal your identity and they can use it for something. That's that's true. And it, it can be a little bit dangerous based on the system type but uh, if you are talking about for example medical medical systems that and today it is big topic during during the like pandemic uh, there are lots of systems connected to the internet and using some special crafted protocols or also custom protocols Mm -hmm. some of them are exposed through the ip protocols to the internet and also you can have cardio stimulator which is remotely monitoring and sending the data to the doctor you know to not need to visit him all the day and every time and every week so your cardio stimulator is connected to the internet and you know we're talking with, with my friends in, in cyber security and some hacking communities but this will be really dangerous case if somebody will be able to get inside of one device where you are like dependent on you can have dependent or independent cardio stimulator yeah. but they can, they can basically you know they can say okay if you will not pay us 7k euros per month. We will disable your cardio stimulator. would yeah, that, that
0: be life threatening. Yeah, that's true. That's that's, that's,
1: that's that's the worst case.
0: So when we already started with this topic, so can, can you tell me, uh, the security is kind of a broad. Uh, what do you imagine under the? Especially now, let's talk about cloud security. So, so yeah. what you or do you understand under the term of sec, cloud security?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I really like that you say the cloud security because if we we'll talk about the security itself, and I remember that I had to chat with my boss about that, and I did a really big mind map of the IRAS and the cybersecurity security, whereas digital forensics, governance, hacking, red teaming, purple teaming, white teaming, green teaming, yellow teaming, you have you have management in cybersecurity, you have compliance guys, risk guys, security developers, cloud engineers, DevSecOps engineers, you know, lots of different areas where you can go uh, in the cybersecurity and it's becoming like IT in IT, like really big field. So I'm really happy that we talk about the cloud security. So under, under the cloud security, I see really simple stuff, you know, it's it's not about sec, secure cloud, but the security in cloud. Because secure cloud is something that, <clears throat> that's provided by the cloud provider, they take yeah. care of on that in, in the context of shared responsibility model. But cloud security, at least for us who use cloud on daily basis, is how we practice security in cloud.
0: Do you have any like guidelines?
1: Okay, understand. So prepare like uh, next two hours. I will give you like lots of bonds. <laughs> okay, then. No, no, so but, I, uh, I, I
0: don't. I don't. I don't mean to to, to overwhelm <laughs> our listeners. Like I, I meant it. Like for example, uh, when uh, when we talk to some C CTO or CEO, the the the, the guys which are like on upper level, and mm-hmm. they they heard like or tell, tell themselves like okay we need some kind of security we got a cloud uh, solution and what what we need to focus on like the, give me f- like three bullet points what, what i need
1: to focus? first thing on. that you need to know it's very simple <clears throat> what kind of application you are running in cloud it is mm-hmm. software as a service it's a platform as a service it's a it's a full infrastructure as a service it's a stateless I'm, or stateful it, application and based on that, you can decide how you will secure it. And also, are you in a regulated industry? Do you need a PCI DSS or HIPAA compliance? These are the things that you need to decide to, to know where to go. And then you will talk about the configuration of the cloud services. You will talk about the encryption at rest and the transit. And then the active protection in cloud, like uh, firewalls, IPS, advanced threat protection. And all of these things, you know, how to detect malicious behavior and malicious traffic in cloud. Because you do not have the classical network as you know it. And you have network which is owned by somebody else and they are responsible for that. And you need to to be able to ingest the data on what is going on. Lots of people would like to talk about high level view. They call it observability of the cloud. Uh Ah, okay.
0: So um, maybe to, to... A bit more simple now. During your career, or or when you do some kind of this uh, research and analysis of the security, what are like the these common threats uh, or common vulnerabilities in in the solutions that people present mm-hmm. to you? Or,
1: yeah, yeah. I, will, I will say two 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 vulnerabilities are very very common: cross-site scripting and buffer overflow. These two things they pop up all the, everywhere you look. If you know the meme, like, something everywhere, you know, with Buzz Lightyear from Toy Story, you will say, like, cross-site scripting everywhere, or buffer overflow everywhere.
0: Okay, just just to get clear, sorry to interrupt you, just to get clear, can you a bit explain what what is cross-site scripting and what is buffer overflow? Just just to get listeners into the topic. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Cross-site scripting is basically type of the injection where you inject your own script, into the web application, which runs your own malicious code, you can have reflected or stored based on how the browser will interpret it and the application will interpret it. If your, if your code will be stored or if it will, just re- if it will be reflected to you. So that's, that's like a simple way how to say what is cross-site scripting. Imagine that yeah. as a JavaScript injected in the application in the simple, in the really simple, I hope that no, no researcher is listening to yeah, us yeah. Okay. because they will say, okay, um, the, the definition is understand. a little bit. And with the yeah, buffer, but buffer
0: but it's, mm-hmm. it's, clear. it's
1: clear. Okay. <laughs> with, with the buffer overflow, it's basically about pulling the data bigger than your buffer where you, when you work with some data, you just put their data, which are bigger than your buffer or allocated memory and everything above the memory can Lead to buffer override or buffer overread. that means if you are reading or overwriting data. So you are basically leaking the memory and playing with the memory pointers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, then you know then it starts to be really interesting because lots of uh, SSL vulnerabilities and transport vulnerabilities are related to that. Uh, lots of applications are storing keys in the memory because they think that this is really safe. But when you use buffer overflow, you can get inside of the RAM memory and get the data from there. So that, that's in the nutshell. <laughs>
0: yeah Yeah. So uh, now a bit uh, to your work then. So can you explain me like process when someone will come to you and ask you, "Marek, can you have a look on my system and tell uh-huh. me what's, what, what, what issue I got, what, what should I fix? How can I do it?" Uh So what do you do Uh, and now I also would like to know is like uh, do you also look into the code or you only test uh, based on your tools or or what's the Uh like what's the beginning process like the communication with the let's say customer and uh, what's the process of real like testing and trying to break the application.
1: Okay. so. This, this, The answer will be a little bit complicated, but uh, I will try to make it simple. I know that I can overwhelm you, so I will not try to make it simple. You can have different types of assessment. Customers have different requirements usually. they, Some people, they want to have just audit. They want to know where they are, what they forgot, or if their design is well done. They will say, we designed something, we have the game. We designed our AWS environment, and what if we want to know if we didn't forget anything. So that's like architectural review. Mm-hmm. so I will tell them, yeah, guys, you have firewall missing. It's nice that you have cache, but you absolutely forget about some protection in the cache and all of these things. So it will be like an architectural or software security review. Then you can have this uh, white box approach where you can do the source code review. I'm doing that also with the different tools. You know, There are like lots and lots of tools for SAST. It's a software application security testing. Mm-hmm. Or static analysis, it's called static analysis. This static analysis basically does source code review. You, you get the code and then you run some scanner over that and there are lots of findings, you know, lots of false positives. It's this high false positive ratio that then you need to go through the code, check if this if it is real, if it is like relevant vulnerability. So that's 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 the part of the like code mm-hmm. research.
0: Okay, I got the additional question as a developer. Yeah, the most of the vulnerabilities are on the APIs or mm-hmm. or somewhere in the like libraries where the, they use some kind of specific code or. or, or uh, <laughs> but let's say, let's say as a cloud developer, mm-hmm. I. Th- I th- I think mostly about the the, the attack from outside. Uh, so someone is trying to break uh, inside of okay. my application. But it, is is it the only place, or or what's no, no, no. What, what do you not, see in not. the code? It's
1: not. Okay. Uh, because when you talk about the API, that, 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 that there, then there's a next phase like, like dynamic application security testing, and like another thing that you can do is a penetration test. You know, like. To simulate leaked credentials, what you can do with these leaked credentials. And the API is one thing because cloud is mainly based on APIs. Yeah. And there are lots of flaws that you can use also. That's very interesting. But in the what what is every time like forgotten by people is that you are working with some code and you need to do the code review in your pipeline. So when you are building your libraries, when you are doing software composition, what you need to check is not only the code itself, but you are also doing the dependencies on or linking the dependencies on open source libraries. And for in this moment, there comes open source security analysis or software composition analysis, basically it looks on dependencies and it will tell you which libraries are vulnerable what you can do with that if you should patch them or if you can remediate them or to not use specific classes so that, that can really help you because when you look at serverless for example lambda who yeah. is doing scanning of the code in lambda I don't think so that somebody does that uh-huh.
0: okay I understand yeah ne- never told about it before now so okay uh, so we got like this ar- architectural pe- te- uh, test. We got this code test, and now what's the another another type? Of
1: it's a it's a dynamic security application testing. You can run. I have one favorite tool. It's called Burp But you basically simulate the attack. You know, you simulate the payload. It's called fuzzing. You have different malicious payloads, like hmm. malicious strings, and you have intercept proxy. For example, for web applications, because it is very easy to to talk about the web application. You can basically put in every user controllable input, any string you want, and then you catch the response and you are checking if you are successful with the injection or if you get buffer overflow or if your, for example, sleep command is very often used to detect some vulnerabilities in the databases. You use sleep for, for example, 32 seconds. And if it doesn't answer for 32 seconds, you are successful. So, and you are using different permutations of the code and there are already like lots of big databases that you can use. So you you Mm -hmm. automate this thing and you get like really, really interesting results based on the headers, based on the responses of the application, based on the behavior of the application. And it, it can be really fast and really cool thing on that, that is you can run this Beast for dynamic application testing from the pipeline. You just you know yeah. spin it up and get the report. N-
0: now, uh, like a bit personal question, like when, when you spoke about this <clears throat> automation, so how much of the process is automated? So, what do you like about this process, and what what are the pains of this process?
1: Like, uh, uh, that's a really good question. You just push my <laughs> button because. <laughs> When when you when you automate it, for example with Burp Suite, you know, that's or NetSpark or whenever you use or a Zap Proxy that are the tools that you can you can run for dynamic application security testing, uh you basically get like one big problem. It can generate thousands of findings for you. Uh-huh. Thousands, you know, you can get report, which will be crazy. Or if the application is having like thirty screens and four hundred different inputs. the the testing can take one day. And you can also simulate different uh, amount of users, like different amount of threads, but still it will take lots of time. You will get lots of results. I think that the fun part is the manual testing. You know, you you just intercept one request, modify it, and then you are waiting what happens. You know, that's the moment where there's a fun you mm-hmm. write some code mm-hmm. okay. and then you're waiting if the application will, you know, just die or what will happen if it will, will sleep, you know, what what I'm really doing and I'm having fun on that, I'm trying to inject uh, objects with the memes inside of the application. I see. Like, okay. like, like improve, improve the facelift or in in one application I take an object with the Pac-Man game and I inject it in, it was a police investigation system. Really?
0: Well,
1: I, Pac-Man? <laughs> nice. I, I, I took object with the Flash flash game at that time, and uh, I put inside the HTML code, new object with with the Pac-Man, and uh, the guys went, and it was stored, you know, it was forever there. It was just, you cannot delete it, it was just, it becomes part of the application. Oh. So when, when you nice. lock, locked in, in the application, then there was a Pac-Man game. <laughs>
0: so that's, yeah, that's, the fu- that's, that's the funny eye, part. opening for yeah that's eye opening for the developers i would say
1: <laughs> My <senior>. yeah, not <laughs> your police application
0: them. there is a Techman running <laughs> yes <laughs> nice nice and uh, uh, in terms of like time uh when you get like uh, some kind of this analysis how, how long it takes you to to generate these tests like to understand the code mm-hmm. and to to like, uh, find uh, what's the best suite to test for, for now? Or do you got like uh, pre-described steps, which you always do?
1: Uh, I think that every every hacker or ethical hacker, I will say ethical hacker or pen tester or analyst, security analyst, we have our own way how to solve the things and solve the problems. You, in the time, when you are working in this industry, you develop your own process. The problem is, yeah. uh, that's why I like to do architecture, cloud and pen testing. That's why I do not focus on one thing, because uh, mm-hmm. after two, three years of doing these things, it started to be really, really repetitive and manual because you have your own way. But there are some generic steps that I can say that everyone is doing is some information gathering, you know, some scanning, information gathering, reconnaissance of how the system works, what are the exposed IP addresses, what are the exposed ports and then you are doing some research over these over open points, I would say, points or mm-hmm. nodes or or, or or protocols. You are looking at the versions, then you are looking at the exploits available, then you start to do the exploitation, scanning, trying to find some low, low-hanging fruits. And then when you find some vulnerability, you are trying to evaluate if the vulnerabilities are really present. Then you are trying to exploit, write your own code, which, which will solve Serve as POC proof of concept, and then when you are successful, you are in, then you can do the daisy chaining. That then, depends on the, on, the, on the application, you can go through the lateral movement. It's a really funny part, also. When you hack one system, if you, are, if you are able to get in one system, you are trying to move through the systems in the company. That's called lateral movement. So basically, okay. not controlled only but, uh, one.
0: SSO, for example, or something like that, that you actually uh, like uh, hack some identity provider, and you will get to the other systems, or, or
1: that, that that can that can be one of the things, or it can be mm-hmm. that you hack one machine from the domain, and then you are like spoofing and, and sniffing on the network okay. the tokens the tokens of other computers <laughs> and trying to get to there.
0: Nice, but the. Uh, where I'm heading with uh, with this uh, first question is like when you say uh, that you can automate lots of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about now me. I was I don't need to, I I will say to myself I don't need a security engineer. I got mm-hmm. lots of these tools, and I can try to do. Like some security check. So, what are the, like common misconceptions? Like mm-hmm. uh, the people like me, let's say that they will say like, okay, I don't need uh, CDN or something like that. I don't need mm-hmm. like uh, this uh, this kind of protection after this, let's say, automated test that me as no no security engineer mm-hmm. uh, did. What are like uh, like this common open stuff or misconception that people think that it's secure, but actually it is not.
1: Yes. Uh, that, that's the eternal fight in, in the cybersecurity and in the quality and architecture everywhere. It's a, it's a technical debt basically that you create. But mm-hmm. with, with the automation, you can automate source code review, you can automate this dynamic scanning, you can also automate, automate the dependency scanning, you can automate container scanning. All of these things can be part of the pipeline and it can save you a vast amount of time. And this is something what we're working in now in Revology to build some I will say pipeline, which will give you all of these checks when you write the application and migrate it to cloud, from the application scanning to the infrastructure scanning, and then aggregate the results in one one storage and one database where you are just looking at single pane of glass, and then you see all the vulnerabilities, all the problems from the application libraries to the service in one place. So there are several platforms that can help you to do that, and Regarding the misconceptions, that also like a, like a design problems. Because CDM is it's never enough. And it's yep. also it's also about the management, you know, management is not very aware that if you are going to do the business without cybersecurity, then there is a question why you do the business at all. Because there can be one event, one big incident, which will lead to the end of the company. There are several companies they were hacked. And because they were not big enough, or they were interesting enough, they just ended in a few days. They just they just bankrupt.
0: Mm-hmm. So, that, so mm-hmm. um, that's uh, maybe pointing to another question: Is in your career have you seen like some kind of? Uh, I don't know. Mean now about uh, hearing about yeah. some stuff like we we know that uh, the code of the games is is, uh, is stolen almost on a daily basis and stuff. But in your career, did you come to some customer which got really like a big breach and they lost yeah. data or or co- connectivity or anything like even the fun story. The, yeah, yeah.
1: Hey, I, have, I have lots of fun stories. Not all of them are shareable. Uh, because of the NDAs but uh, (laughs) I remember one company were developing you know software for like 250 million euros more and somebody misconfigured s3 bucket you know (laughs) common stuff common stuff very (laughs) small thing s3 buckets are object storage for storages for those who don't know what is that in AWS and I had like chat with the manager of the team and I told him man you misconfigured the bucket you know it can be public and there are some public uh source codes imagine that some hacker is running now the scan and are using like a dns recognition and <clears throat> doing the scanning over the s3 bucket name spaces and they will discover our software which was selling for 250 million euros and the response of this guy was very strange and he told me yeah i always wish to have an open source yeah. and uh, <laughs> i was like okay, okay. <clears throat> that's a nice wish but we are actually selling the software. So so Mm -hmm. it's also about the people, how they understand it. And I always say that security is not about hardening, shielding, or whatever. Security is comfort of usage. The things work how they should work. And there is no way how to misuse the system in in any way, because I was reading some book and there was written that hacking is not like related to ones and zeros and IT. Hacking is about using the system in the way where it wasn't intended to, to work like this. So mm-hmm. you, you are basically looking at the, misusing the system, and this is exactly the case. Or there was a, another story that I was running penetration test for, and I'll say it on one Czech podcast, but I will repeat it here because it's a really good story. We were building a new cloud platform, and it was a custom, basically one custom cloud platform. We want to build our own and we build the APIs, you know, VM management, all of these things, and I was the one who worked on the test or assessment of the API itself, and then I run some scans, and I get, like, a cool idea to, to create, like, 1,000 machines per second, and there was no API gateway or no throttling mm-hmm. gateway, so I was able to create 10,000 machines per second with mm-hmm. with absolutely nonsense setup, you know, like, it was not possible to to do this workflow in the console in the web interface, but it was possible to do it through the API, it, that you use the calls in the different order, <laughs> and and it created. So actually,
0: uh-huh. Yeah, that was an infrastructural hack. Yeah, you 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 put the infrastructure to the knees when 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 we are yes now about, through
1: the API yeah. misconception because the API was not designed well there was lots of problems with the API, not only throttling, but the business workflow processing or how the API should be controlled. There was no API keys and all of these things at that time. Yeah, it was like the beginning of this project, mm-hmm. but the infrastructure, you know, it, it falls down. I remember that it was a big problem. I was starting to sweat. You know, they would will, they will just fire me because the, the data center started to be like K- KO because it was a small data center. And mm-hmm. I remember that they solved this incident for three weeks and I had a like really cool boss there. You know, mm-hmm. my boss, he covered covered me. He said, that's exactly the job that we want from you. <laughs> I was really scared because I, I found a flaw uh, which will cost like billions if it will be in the production. And then we had like chat with the guys from the business and they say, yes, but you know, we, we, live, we lived with the idea that if you will create Infinite amount of instances in cloud, we will get infinite amount of dollars. And then somebody comes and try to explain them that you know that that is computers. You know, this in your basement there are computers which are running which are running this uh, this cloud behind. We have limited amount of RAM memory. We have limited amount of storage. We cannot create an infinite amount of resources. And then they implemented some some countermeasures.
0: But. This is this is actually great to to help people like you because uh, as i know from my experience as a developer most of the people think about the the solution like they got uh, info what it needs to do and they they will implement what it needs to do or have to do you know and they don't think about the consequences like when something is open or not and usually it's good to have uh, like someone else who who got like this uh, different Point of view on the problem, not only what what it needs to do, but also what what it can do, and that's <laughs> that's that's great approach. That's great approach.
1: I think that the critical part is is a critical thinking, you know, to, and even in the architecture because I'm not I'm not anymore just a pen tester. that was the start of my career? Today I'm work, working as an architect, and engineer. It's very important to know and to embrace everyday critical thinking. You know, looking at the edge cases because if the edge case will happen in the production system, there will be a big problem. For example, I did review for one company which is running uh, some PCI DSS compliant infrastructure. It was not really compliant. They have application which is working with, uh, with the payments data and they didn't have any web application firewall. So this application was exposed to the internet. There was a zero protection. And because somebody forget about that during the design f- design phase, they didn't realize that they forget this very important part. So if somebody will write anybody, if anybody will write an injection in their application, there will be no gateway in this case web application firewall which will block the malicious request. You so that, there see. are like a big also like like basic parts sometimes missing. You know, it's like you have a car but you forget one wheel.
0: Yeah, that that's that's like this focus on like uh, one area like we need to deliver to customer this and this and this and actually you you really like uh, running blind on the uh, another area yeah that's and true. i got another question related to security and it's like is can you see like some patterns in some kind of domain for example when meeting is there a different security in the banking versus like e-shops or in the governments can, uh, can you can you tell the difference or is it mostly the same
1: it's not the same and this is what i like on this job you know i didn't selected security because i want to do security i selected because of the different you know, if you are doing data, data analyst or data engineer, you are doing just the data. And here, in security, you can do lots of things, even even not related to security. That's what I love on that, and that's why I'm saying that I'm a architect, like a T-shaped guy who doesn't have knowledge in one one field. So I love it on this way. Banking is having different requirements than gaming. Eshops are mainly focused on the web security and redundant connections. So and 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 being able to serve millions of the customers at the same time. Banking is focusing on the data security and the payment security and the flows. And I, that's, that's what I really love. There are like lots of patterns in, in cloud. You can have transit VPC. You can have public private subnet. You can have shared VPCs. You can have different models, different uh, approaches. You can have a WAF sandwich. <laughs> you know, like there are lots of different design patterns that you can use.
0: For different uh, can purposes. You explain me what what's Wav sandwich?
1: Yeah, you have you have multiple you have like sandwich of the Wav, uh, web application firewall, uh, which is running uh, load balancer in front of the firewall and behind it. Basically, you have you have load balancer which can span up more firewalls for you if you need some of them.
0: And also, uh, when you mentioned the gaming, there there's a bit different uh, point of view on the security first of course uh, we know that uh, no one wants no wants that your code will like to be stolen yeah that's now it's a bit harder on the because you've got like client side and server side but then even client side mostly is now unity or or um, uh unreal engine which are easily to to put into the disassembling and and people can breach it in or hack it in several hours so that that's that's not easy now to 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 like protect your code that's the one thing so uh second thing is like get ddos attacks on on the on the server side like uh, people are not able to connect to your game and third is like cheating because on the game perspective, like no one likes cheaters, yeah. But those are still people which like to play. So mostly, what what this gaming studio uh, does is that they put them into the separate, like uh, like they got separate leaderboards or something like that. Then they know they are cheaters. They know they hack their code somehow, uh, but they let them play. So. Mm, that's the that's the third point and fourth point on the security in real time uh, is like uh, it's getting uh, it's slowing the game. So in in the gaming industry, mostly the multiplayer games uh, are not super secure because they are trying to get rid of the luck and other stuff, and they like uh, tolerate uh, uh, some kind of like let's say hacking, yeah. <laughs> so so it's 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 a really big different world than let's say banking because once someone is getting into your card data, you are you are like not pleased, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I can say that I agree. Yeah, I agree. that there will be lots of things regarding the code protection and the IP protection that you need to mm-hmm. do in, in gaming, especially in signing the code mm-hmm. to, to basically evaluate who wrote the code and checking the integrity of the code. If somebody didn't do any changes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and, and second point, which is related to security also is availability. So you need to have like big chain of CDNs, highly available. Uh, you need to solve like massive redundant connections to, to the databases then encryption of the databases if you are having some payments data in, in, in the gaming. So it will be absolutely, as you said, very different story than gaming and finance and, and government. The governments, they will have government cloud, which is absolutely different story.
0: That was like, let's say, common stuff about the security, but let's let's dive a bit deeper. Uh, I know you are like AWS and G- GCP specialist on, on the security <laughs> also, can you? Can you uh, tell us a bit about which tools are available there, which you like, uh, Mm -hmm. which you think are most important there?
1: That that will be really, we can have, you know, session for one week and I will love to talk about it. But in conclusion, AWS and GCP, uh, I like more AWS because it's more complex. You can have more setup, you okay. know. When you are setting load balancer, you have more options than in GCP, because in GCP you just select the centers and SSL suit that that you can you can run. But okay. in GCP way, in security they, they really sell it as a like a advantage because it's very simple and okay. you don't need to set up too much. You know, you have okay. cloud armor, you have easy load balancers, you have security command center, which is like single pane of glass. For looking at looking at uh, the security sources, you have you have DLP API, which you, which you can use. It's, it's it's very very simple and intuitive. And then you have also like web vulnerability scanner, binary authorization for the containers. And these things are like out of the box for usage. In uh-huh. yeah. in AWS, it's it's a little bit complicated because AWS is having like thousands of services. And they are really simple too. Some of them are super simple. You just enable them and you run. But there is like a higher level of customization and more work needed to make it running. You know, you have, you have Cloud Shield, for example, which you don't need to touch, it is there. It's a DDoS protection. By default, you get it, you don't see inside. But if you want to have, for example, Advanced Shield, which costs like $3,000, uh, you basically get access to the, to the SOC team in AWS, you get real time reporting on the attacks on the BGP protocols, like lots of insights. It's very, very interesting. And also there are like services which offer you the container scanning, but you need to set it up. There is a CI CD forum AWS and different steps can use different tools like, like, the, like this scanning of the containers for ECR, Elastic Container Registry. So and if you go deeper and deeper, you see that there are lots of uh, like decisions that you need to make, you know, for example, the types of the load balancers. If, if, if the offloading of the, of the SSL connection, that means that you will not have all the time end-to-end encryption, is okay for you, then you, you can use application load balancer, which comes with some path routing and all of these abilities. But if you need to have uh, end-to-end encryption, you cannot use application load balancer and you need to use network load balancer, which is not having these features. And that, that makes the, the cloud engineering a little bit more complicated and also the cloud architecture is a little bit complicated because it really depends on the requirements. Then we need to select specific tool with a specific configuration. And same, same it will be with, with web application firewall from AWS because you have different integrations available with the CDN, with the AWS API gateway, and, and all of the setup like pre-signed URLs, Lambda at Edge on on the CDN. It, it depends on the design that you selected and on your requirements. So mm-hmm. that, that's that's like a whole science.
0: Yeah, that's, and, that's a long list. Yes, <laughs> already yes. I'm
1: already overwhelmed. No, no, no. <laughs> not, there are like lots of things. And if, if you will look at security, it's very complicated, and a big topic. In GCP, a <laughs> little bit simple. In AWS, you... You need to have lots of hands-on exercises before you you dive in.
0: Okay, okay, thanks for the info. Um, when we talk about uh, automation in security, there is a term "security as a code." I, I, can you can you explain to our listeners yeah. what it is and uh, if you use it and what's the advantage? Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it, will, it will be very simple. Now I will try to make it simple. <laughs> And that's one of my problems <laughs> to, to, to not make it simple but we um,
0: got enough time Let, let's, yeah, yeah. let's talk about it I think it's it's very interesting topic so so, it's so a, don't be shy tell, tell us what you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, it will be really hard to do the brain dump also but uh, yeah, it's, it's a simple you know today you can automate lots of things even compliance security as code is for example in terraform which is infrastructure as code. In uh, in for AWS, Azure, and GCP, and many other platforms, also you can manage lots of stuff with Terraform. There is there are lots of configurations related to security. So when you are doing the security configuration, like enabling flow logs and all of these things, it's security as code. Or you can have security test as a code. Uh, Zap Proxy is having something called Zest Script, where you codify your penetration testing, uh, or uh, my really favorite platform is Chef Inspect, which is security compliance as code. And it's, it's based on Ruby. And they have some like profiles where you create the controls. And in the control, you specify how your target environment, server, application, AWS resource should look like. And if it is not compliant, it will report you your control failed. And to give you some example, you can say that I will have two VPCs. And exact IDs of these VPCs. And in these VPCs, there will be five containers from my container registry, which will be signed by me. And mm-hmm. Chef mm-hmm. Inspect will check it for you and it will tell you in which parts of this control it failed. And there, just to not scare you, there are lots of community profiles already available. So you will say, I have CentOS, I want to have checked CentOS against, for example, this benchmark which is center for internet security. Basic benchmark of like a security setup of your Linux instance. And it will do it for you. You will just call this profile. And there are lots of them like prepared by the community for you. So you don't need to actually really write the code. You can reuse what somebody else created. But if you like to the code, then feel free to serve yourself.
0: Okay. And now I get the additional question is like, is it mostly used on the like, big infrastructure, big solutions, or you can use it also on the small stuff like to, to make it faster, your development faster, or to help you to just yeah. check
1: small stuff also? It's, it's related to something that we forget to mention and, and it's the most important thing. It's a shift left principle because it can save you time and money. This tool mm-hmm. is just, you just run one command. So you can automate it for every day and save some wider report. Uh, or you can use a CICD for running that for you. Same is with the source code review and dynamic analysis what we talk about. So you can automate lots of these things and it is also good for the small projects because when you will work in the big corporate environment, there will be lots of processes, lots of quality gates that you need to go through. But in the small environment, something called DevSecOps, development security operation, is the best choice because you get you get lots of agility, you get automation, you get reports in the in the real time, and it doesn't cost you too much. You don't need to have, for example, Veracode or, or, or Fortify and all of these things for scanning your software and cost, which costs like $3,000 plus, uh, you don't need it. You can have lots of open source tools that are doing the scanning for you from the pipeline automated, and every time when you write the code and you are pushing that to production, if some of these controls fails, you can stop the build and you can say, "Guys, we forget something." And oh, I th- see. Okay. there's only cost co- related to, to building this this uh, this beast. <laughs>
0: when when we are already in automation and you mentioned like Terraform and, and DevOps, like uh, let's let's focus on the security point for, from DevOps perspective. Do you? Do you have any basic stuff for DevOps people, what uh, what they usually do, what, what mm-hmm. they should do, what they don't do? And do you have any stories, of course? Like, that's, <laughs> that's always, like, uh, DevOps is, is, is fun and, and and tragedy in one, one place always. Yes, the,
1: the, the biggest tragedy is that uh, the companies are selling DevOps as a role. And DevOps is a culture, that's, that's very important to mention. It's the way of the work, it's the same like agile. You know, you, you will never be agile engineer and same nonsense as a DevOps engineer because yeah. it's it's a cultural shift about embedding. And in, from the security perspective, you need to embed security in all of these steps and DevSecOps and DevOps are a little bit different thing because DevOps is just development operations, pipeline, whenever Security is giving there some quality gates co-defining the security and automating the security inside of that, and this is really tough tasks. But there is a really cool thing on the internet. If you like to Google, you you can Google yourself. It's called chemical table of DevOps tools or DevSecOps tools, and there is a big list. There are hundreds of tools that you can use for different purposes.
0: Yeah, definitely I will have a look Then thanks for the info, that,
1: that will be useful. <laughs> so if you will look for a specific topic, for example, I'm using Node.js and I want to have Node.js audit, you will find it. There will be Node.js scan for that and you, you can basically run it from, from the API. And oh, regarding nice, the stories, nice. I have okay. one really good one. It's, uh, I remember that we we did a source code review with uh, with some of the teams in my one, one of my previous jobs and there was so many findings because it was really old software. you know, It was like really old yeah. Java software. Yeah. You can imagine yeah. how, how it can look like. Then yeah. the, the guys, they run the scan, like a source code with one, with one tool that I do not want to mention because I do not want to make them too much advertisement. And oh, no. it, it found too much vulnerabilities. It was a thousand. It was thousands and thousands of vulnerabilities that it basically kills the server where the scanner is running. And it basically stops stops the server for everyone in the company because it reached it reached the maximum limit of the findings for per database
0: but this is a kind of this legacy hell Yes. Also, not only from security perspective, but also development. Because when you want then uh, like uh, fix those uh, security vulnerabilities, you have to use, for example, new type of libraries which doesn't work with that kind of stuff, and it's it's like never-ending story. Yes. Uh, it happened to me uh, once in the telecommunication, and that was uh, really like like Java jar hell. and it starts exactly (laughs) with this kind of check, like let's change one jar because it uses something which we should not use and then was like never ending story this is this is really 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 jar hell <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, 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 I, yeah i i i know what you're talking about and and it's it's i understand it also from development perspective that it's it's hard uh, to ch- fix lots of lots of these
1: stuff that, yeah. that's why I'm, why I'm saying that security is about something else than people think you know, and also the security guys are talking about security is is really about you know having something working and and these, t- these two things are the same thing. It's the same problem. We just name it differently. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a technical depth.
0: Yeah. And related to this, I, I want to mention that's why I uh, low and propagate really uh, the serverless stuff because this is automatically taken care of. At least these dependencies and inside stuff. So you don't have to take care as much about this stuff and mm-hmm. this legacy hell is not happening so often I, I, I can't say it, it's not happening because even in the in the serverless you've got like some kind of version which yeah. you are run on but, uh, but this this will help you a lot especially when you are not the security like super stuff and also in development when you only know about like how to create the API and stuff and you don't want to get into this this dependency hell this mm-hmm. is like
1: Big help, big help. <laughs> yes, and and it's not only about the dependencies; it's about the. But with lambda, there are like other problems, that cold start, you know, and all of these things mm-hmm. that okay. you need to solve. Yeah, yeah that's true.
0: That's so,
1: true. so it's, it's it's not it's not uh, you know the the laser cannon which will solve everything, but it can solve lots of problems for you, especially yeah, espe- but- especially in the serverless field.
0: Yeah, back to the story, like uh, how, how did it end? Uh, it end? Actually, it... you
1: know, people people like to hide the things, you know, when you are a security guy, they like to hide everything uh, because, you know, people are scared that you will always find the, the mouse with the five legs, I call it like that, They're like some edge case, <laughs> some right. edge case. Uh, I, think, I think that we need to basically wipe out the server, restart it, you know, I, I, there was an operational team attached to that, and I, I remember that, you know, they they generated some crazy PDFs, like 600 max or something like that, and uh, they and, and they basically misused the process that I really didn't like, because we had the process which says that every code in the pipeline must be scanned. So they they, they, they basically said, yeah, we scanned the, the code. So our job is done and that's, <clears throat> that's what I really don't like because some people, they use the system against the system. You know, it's like mm-hmm. breaching the metrics. They will, they say that, yeah. yes, we completed the scan. Our job is done. And that means that nobody looks at the problems because it's obvious, you know, if you have 100,000 problems, you will be not able to analyze it. And they say we will basically, they didn't analyze the problems and it can introduce mm-hmm. lots of yeah. problems.
0: Yeah, that's true. The once come business into the the perspective of this or costs, let's say. Yeah. So when you when you count count the costs and you said, okay, it's legacy stuff. I, I understand it's it could be discouraging because like you did your job and no one cares.
1: <laughs> and actually, they, they care. They 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 start to rewrite at least the the critical pieces of the application yeah. because it was it was in the status that you okay. there was no at way back. I'm, you know, there was no way yeah. back. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are selling the software for for like vast amount of money, and you you really want to make money on on quality software, you need to take care of these things. Whenever security or or quality or how we will call it, customer will recognize it. And if customer will get a crap application, you know, which is which is basically unusable or unsecure they will not pay you for that or soon it will affect your PR, and your company mm-hmm. will be known that you yeah. are selling something which is out-of-the-market standards.
0: Let's move to the next stuff, and that is like, uh, I'm not a super security expert, so <laughs> maybe I forgot to ask or, or didn't mention anything. Do you think that we didn't cover anything specific you want to talk about, or you think it's important in this topic?
1: I think I think that we can we can cover like lots of lots of more things, but I think that this this is enough for for one episode. I think that's that's more than enough. Okay. And I think that if our listeners will be interested in this topic, they can mm-hmm. send us a message and we can prepare some yeah, in, clearly, in detailed right. sessions. For for me, it
0: was super informative, and uh, thank you very much for all the information you shared because for me it was like super. So, okay. but thank before you. we. Before we end, like uh, I would like to know, like how you as a security expert, how how you get to the security information. What's your learning process? Which which sources do you use? Or so do you got something special, like special Reddit threads or or YouTube channels or something something you would really use? Often?
1: Yeah, yeah, I want to say that I use my own YouTube channel. <laughs> I'm not. Mm-hmm. Used- I'm not using like my own for my education. I'm just doing some advertisement. Yeah? Just to, if mm-hmm. you do, they don't recognize it, I'm doing advertisement of my YouTube channel. <laughs> but uh, usually, there are some good YouTube channels like Network Chuck and Cyber Mentor that are really, really known uh, on the on the cyber field, and mm-hmm. they're doing okay. amazing videos, amazing videos for free. You know where you will learn lots of things from the cloud perspective. I'm trying to at least sacrifice every day like 20 minutes for some small learning. There are really good mm-hmm. good stuff for reading, which is called Hacker News. If you want to have some really deep dive, there are like hacking articles run by Indian guys, and they are like, whew, they are really. It's like like three to four ways how to hack Active Directory, and you will read really like in detail information how to do it. There mm-hmm. are like full guides for ethical hackers. And also, when you, I'm using that often. Also, it's a Labs for for learning or Cloud Guru. Cloud Guru yeah. is a really good platform as a starting point in cloud and security. And now when they merged yeah. with Linux Academy, it's starting oh, to be more interesting. Oh, oh,
0: nice, nice. I I never heard about the Linux Academy. I will have a look. Thanks for the info. And something about uh, your projects when we spoke about security but do you have uh, like uh, any home projects which you do like uh, out of the security just for fun or something
1: like that <laughs> uh, <laughs> i have like more jobs so then then, then some people consider me as crazy because i'm running mm-hmm. my my home consulting and then i'm working with Revelgy, and so mm-hmm. so i have like another <laughs> security security <laughs> projects after work Okay. But usually, usually before when I had like more time, I I was doing 3D modeling, just for fun, you know, the character design in Mm -hmm. in 3D Studio Max, just just to relax, you know. But when I have time, I'm trying to do something else than 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 it, you know, to travel. I like traveling, so 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 just just to have some off-screen time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, thank you very much. I really appreciate that that you were in our podcast. It was very informative, very resourceful, and I hope I hope <laughs> that uh, people will ask for another episode with you because I'm I'm looking forward to it. Thank already. You.
1: Thank you. I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I really enjoyed the, the chat, and I, I was looking forward for for this podcast. So thank you for invitation. Well,
0: thank you very much, and thanks also to our listeners that they stay with us. And hope you will enjoy other podcasts on Cloud Theater about Bye. Bye.